Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I got some housekeeping. Next week, this is the last evening service. We're going to like kind of hold a funeral because we, we love the evening service, but we're going to love the morning service better, I think. <laughs> so uh, next week, 1030 is the time that y'all need to come to church. And don't show up at 1035 because we will be like, we'll be into it. And you'll come in, you'll feel behind, you'll feel guilty. And we, oh, I don't want you to feel like that. So come up for 1030 sharp. Look, it's not really that early on a Sunday and it's going to be awesome. Hey, we're going to make it uh, easier for families to come to church with small kids. And I'm super looking forward to that. There's a couple of housekeeping things I need to say. Um, NXT is going to be a little bit different. What we're going to do is have NXT. So our service is going to be about 65 minutes long. That's about how long our service is going to be now with our new kind of revised thing. And then what's going to happen is at 12 sharp, we're going to have NXT. And it'll be like lunches on us. So you, if, you, if you think that this might be your church, you haven't been to NXT, you need to come to NXT. There's four parts. We've shortened them down to a half an hour procession. Lunch is on us. I'd be doing it again and again and again if lunch is there. I'm like, that's the first thing uh, Pastor Aaron ever, when, when the first time I ever really met, she, she's like, hey, you want to come over for, for dinner sometime? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I go anywhere for free food. Are you kidding me? So anyways, NXT, <laughs> come on up. It worked. Um, oh, right. And we have a dream team party. If you are uh, through NXT or mostly through NXT, you can catch up with those online. Uh, the lovely Amy can show you how. And then what we, uh, if you've been through NXT and you're serving on a team currently, uh, we are having a party for you 6.30 at Nose Creek Park in Airdrie. Uh, dinner's on us. Bring the kids. Don't bring your friends if they're not on the dream team. It's kind of a dream team thing, right? I want to say thank you, but we're also rolling out kind of a new structure and how we're doing things. And so I want you to be there if you're on the dream team. Plan for that Wednesday at 6.30. You're not doing anything else but watching TV. And you can do that after. So come out for that. We're going to be rolling out how God is going to cause us to increase as a church. This is your church, right? You need to care if it grows. You need to care for reaching the people around you. And that's going to be awesome. All right, here is what self-defense is defined as. We've been talking in the, in the life and times of Moses. And uh, in the first week, we came to the conclusion, you didn't get there, but the, the word of God took you there, is that um, we all secretly think we're humble. But we're not. One of my guys said, you know, I thought that there wasn't going to be much in this series for me, but it turns out... <laughs> I knew there was going to be something there. For but it turns out we all secretly think we're humble. This is what he said, but we're not. And so, life and times in the words of Moses. Now, now, when people came at Moses, what did he do? This is a definition of self-defense. The defense of one's person or interests, especially through the use of physical force. So, if you're into UFC, this is for you. I'm not into UFC, because those are like, they're scary. Like, I can watch a boxing match, but UFC, those guys are like tough. Like, they're... You know what UFC is? Okay. Here's the thing, not just physical force, okay? We're Canadians, we're supposed to be nice about that. But how about this? Defending yourself when somebody comes at you through the use of your words. Through the use of that look that you give. I know you got a look. I dare you to say that again. How do you feel about sleeping on the couch for the rest of your life? Defending yourself. How do we do it? How you react when somebody comes at you or when you feel like you're under threat probably tells you the state of your soul. Did you know that? 
it probably will reveal to you how healthy your soul really is in that moment. Somebody at work questions, questions you and like, you did this project and you thought it was great, but then it didn't get the results you wanted. Somebody has a nerve to question like, why did you do it like that? <gasps> what do you do? I mean, you're, you're, you're kids at the park. And the perfect mom beside you gives you that look because you just yelled at your kid. Like, I, I don't yell at my children. <laughs> yeah, your kids aren't eating trash in the park. What do you put that trash down? What are you eating that trash for? Are you crazy? Well, I wouldn't yell at my kids. Yeah, well, your kids don't eat trash. So I'm going to yell. I don't want them eating trash. What do you do when somebody comes at you, tells you you're not doing a good job, says you're not, you're not making it, you're not, has something critical to say for you or something maybe even constructive? What do you do? Your reaction will tell you the state of your own soul. What happens when somebody challenges your authority? Uh, we were over at one of the venue mom's place and, and the kids kept coming in and asking like, hey, can we, you know, they call it screens in their house, like tablets. And can we, can we do screens? <laughs> and mom kept saying no, kept saying no. And then the kid was pushing it. And she's like, that's the first time that he's ever like pushed that in public. And then she went downstairs and found that they were doing the screen, the biggest screen in the house in the basement, the big TV. Ooh. What do you do when somebody breaks your rules? How do you respond to that? How does it make you feel? It's all about the gas mileage. I recently bought, um, Aaron and I, we've been saving up, and we recently bought two old Lincoln Navigators, because I like the status. <laughs> They're like super old and they didn't cost that much. I'm, I'll just be upfront and honest with you. In fact, we got two of them for the price that it would have cost me to do, I couldn't have done anything new anything new for what I got two of them for. So God blessed us. But you know, they're used vehicles. They got like 200,000 K on them. You got to fix them. So we've been kind of fixing them up. I had to put tires on them and stuff. And so, um, and when I, before I purchased them though, what I like to do, and here's a good idea if you're buying a used car, because you came to church to learn how to buy a used car. So here's what I, what I do. I take them to get them inspected. So, so I, I took this, um, the, the, the one that I bought, um, I took it into a place in Calgary, and, and I went behind the scenes there. If you want behind the scenes of any church, you should go to NXT and then start getting involved in... in oh, did you? Oh, I just snuck that right in there. So, so, you know, they won't let you, when you get your vehicle inspected, they won't let you through the front door to go into the back, right, because of safety issues and all of that stuff. So, so I thought to myself, okay, you know... The person representing the owner of the car, they're busy up front. My dad was there. They were talking to him. So I'm like, he all distracted. So I went, I went around the, through the fenced area and the, and the muddy gravel in the back, and I walked in the back door where the mechanic was actually looking at, my, at this truck that I ended up buying. And, and I walked in there, and I'm like, hey, you know. He's like, hey, what are you doing back here? You can't be back here. And I, and I did my, uh, like, I got this anointing, right? You know, I just thought, I just thought I would ask the guy who might know something, because those guys at the front desk, like, they, you know. I just thought I'd ask the guy who might know something, and this guy had been working on vehicles for 30 years. He was one of those, like, skinny, tattooed guys, doesn't care what you think. And he's like, well, I'm going to be honest. I'll tell you exactly what I think about this vehicle. I'm like, tell me more. He goes, I, when I do the inspections, he says, I'll... I do them like my daughter's buying them. I'm like, tell me more. I said, what's this vehicle like? He's like, 
Well, it's a Ford. <laughs> what does that mean? It's a thing. If you don't know, it's a thing. He's like, I don't, I don't like the Fords. It's a Ford. He's like, but the parts are cheap. It's a Lincoln Navigator, so it's like the high end, but all the parts are like Ford parts. And he's pointing them all out, and, and I, I walked underneath to look and see what he was doing, and then I got chewed out real good underneath the lift. You know, it's like, you can't, no, I'm telling you, you, you can't be under. I'm like, I'm more of a um, ask for forgiveness than permission kind of guy, right? So I'm just like, oh, I know. No, you're the boss, man. You're the boss. By the time I was done, he had me under there, like, oh, you got to come and see this. And so <laughs> you just chat people up, man. You get all sorts of insider information. And he's like, you see this here? Well, if this vehicle got hit on this side, you'd see it right there, and it hasn't been, and you're good. And you'd see it here, and it hasn't been hit. And he's like, I hate Fords. I'm like, why do you hate Fords so much? He goes, well, because the front ends always go. And I said, tell me more. And he looks at the front end. He goes, well, actually, this front end is good. Actually, this whole vehicle is good. Hasn't been driven on gravel. You can tell by this. It hasn't been this. Hasn't been that. Hasn't been that. So he's like, but, but, he said, they've managed, because it's a Lincoln Navigator, they've managed to, to like, add an extra 1,000 pounds of crap to it to make it all nice or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a car guy. So it weighs 1,000 pounds more than it should. Just so you know, it's super heavy. And it's got the old Ford 5.4 in it. And he's like, it doesn't get good gas mileage. And I said, we drive a Suburban. It doesn't get good gas mileage. And you got lots of kids. You got too many kids. Got to haul music equipment around and stuff. Whatever. Need to be able to haul a trailer if I need to haul a trailer. And so it seemed like a good thing to do. But I thought to myself here, you know, as I'm preaching this sermon today, when somebody comes at you, it's all about the gas mileage, isn't it? See, humility is like a gas tank. You've got to fill that gas tank. But how fast it bleeds out is what you do when somebody challenges you. So think about that. If you can keep it on cruise control and just keep going, you'll get a lot farther on a tank of, of humility. But what happens is that you and I as humans, we either hit the, the gas pedal and just go at it because it's fight or flight, right? I'm more of a flight person. I just hit the brake. Just calm down. The trouble is because I'm so outwardly humble. And do that. I'm a, I'm a flight person. I just freeze up. I think of all my zingers at 3 in the morning. I'm like, yeah, that's what I should have said. And um, we got any 3 a.m. zingers? You've been up all night, and you're like, yeah, why didn't I say that? Your kid eats trash. You trash eating kids. Smug moms at the park, Instagram, Pinterest. But what happens is, when I pass, I've been watching uh, the, the, the gas gauge go down on my humility, uh, my gas tank. So the gas gauge goes down when I have to hit the gas and pass somebody. But when I hit the brake, when I shouldn't hit the brake, I should just keep it on an even keel in a conflict. When I hit the brake, then I got to speed up again. And I'll use 20 miles of gas just in a half mile trying to either, either pass somebody or trying to catch up to where I was at before. It's all about the gas mileage. Now, I'm going to talk to you about what Moses does in a very personal conflict that comes. He doesn't hit the brake and he doesn't. Now, I need to clear up something just for my own conscience sake is that I'm not a, a flight break kind of a person. I'm more of a fighter. I know this is hard for some of you because you, you thought that I was something different. I'm like a, I'm a words ninja man. 
If I'm in an argument, I know exactly what I want to say. They go, what? I can say exactly what I'm thinking and feeling right now. Try it. I'll tell you exactly what I think about you too and your mama. I know what I want to say. But that's what I do. We got any word ninjas? You're good with words. You use words. Yeah, don't. Yeah, okay. Do you have any, like, who here freezes in a fight? You're just like, Ugh. We got any freezers? Like, like, I'm just like, I can't get words out. I know that I feel something and think so. I just can't say anything. Is there anybody who's um, kind of the slow, stubborn type? Oh, you'll pay for that. I won't make you pay. What do you do when somebody comes at you? What's the first thing that you do? It'll tell you the state of your own soul. Are you a distraction person? Are you a distraction person? I won this argument with Aaron one time. Hands down. I win every argument. I'm a winner. All I do is win, win. I won this argument with Aaron one time in the car. And I, was it the good, bad, fat, bad, fat argument? I'll tell you about it some other time. I'm like, but too much good fat can be bad fat, right? Well, no, she says. Well, then she's got to back it. I'm like, I weigh 1,500 pounds. I'm addicted to avocados and almonds. It would take a crane to get me out of my house. But I'm not, that's good fat. Yeah, she says. And I won that argument like, oh, wow, ninja. And then what happens is, then she goes, hey, your windshield's got a crack in it. And five minutes later, I come back and I'm like, distraction. And I'm like, it's going to cost me 250 bucks. Five minutes later, I come back like, no, 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 no. I won that argument. Bad fat. Too much good fast, bad fat, Aaron. Still sticking to it. Hey, what do you do when somebody comes at you? Recently, I... I we delegated some different things, which you'll find out at the Dream Team party. We delegated some different th things to people, and I delegated something to somebody. And she asked somebody to do something for her who turned around during a worship, you know, during a, a setup, during a stage setup. She asked somebody to do something and turn around, walk away, and, and didn't do it. And she comes like, "What do I do?" We're like, "What do I do?" When I, what do you do? What you need to understand is that you're never going to be at the top of the ladder, ladder anywhere. There's only two people up there, really, and there's really only one. But there's God, and then there's the devil. Now, the devil does have authority in the world. But at the top of the ladder, wherever it goes, there's really only two gods to serve. There's God or the devil, and you either serve one or the other. You're in one person's team or the other person's team. Now, you're a bit of a mix of both sometimes, let's be honest. But you're either in one camp or in the other camp. You can't wear two jerseys at the same time. You might be influenced by one camp, but you're still in the other team. And so what happens is you're in the middle someplace. And so this is what I said. I said, it, don't take it personally. It's not about you because you're in the middle. And if I ask you to do something, look, if, if the guy sends his apprentice out to tell me, to tell me hey, your, your brakes are at 50%. You'll have to do something next year. And I'm like, who are you? I want to talk to that old guy with tattoos. Who are you? You've just been working here a month. You don't know anything. You're 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, but I've been sent by, oh. How do you keep an even keel when somebody comes at you? You have to understand your place in it all, which is what we're calling humility. If you know your place in it all, you don't have to hit the gas and you don't have to hit the brake. Watch what happens here. I started the whole thing with this scripture verse, and we're going to go back into it. 
says in Numbers 12, while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron, Moses' older brother and sister, criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Anybody's brother marry somebody they don't like? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise it. It was a trap. You raise your hand there. Guys. They didn't like his wife. I don't know why. They didn't like her. Now, in family reunions, um, just because of the state of things, um, Miriam and Aaron were the older brother and sister. And so they would have the say at a family reunion because the older people generally have more authority, right? My older kids have more authority than my little kids, and it's for a reason. Um, They said this, though. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us, too? Now, if you're not a church person, you don't get this. But when a church person is losing an argument, all you have to do is say that God told you something. (laughs) Who's going to argue with you, right? You might think, like, that's crazy. What are you doing? You're quitting your engineering job to work at McDonald's? Can Can you raise a family on that? Well, no, God told me to. Okay. I don't want to fight against God, right? <laughs> what am I going to say? Like, okay. If you tell your pastor, please don't tell your pastor. God told me to do this and then say something ridiculous. Well, maybe he hasn't, maybe he hasn't. Are you that you know, pure of a vessel that you can't be wrong about what you think God told you? I'd be married to the wrong person right now if I listened to everything that I thought that God told me without taking counsel from my brothers and sisters. That would have been a nightmare, straight up. <laughs> That's another story. Anyway. Aaron's like, what's he going to say? I never know what he's going to say. I made the right decision in the end. And my brother and sister-in-law like my wife. The trouble is they like her more than they like me, but whatever. Everybody does, though. I hate that. But listen, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us, too? What does this have to do with who he married? Watch how quickly things escalate. If you hit the gas on things, you'll start saying stuff that has nothing to do with what you're actually mad about. By the time you're done, you don't even know what started in the first place. Well, this is a dirty pool. This is what happens when you start adding stuff to your argument, when you start putting extra stuff in the Lincoln Navigator to make it awesome. Your gas mileage starts going down. And so, has the Lord spoken, whoa, this is taking it to a whole other level here. See, this here, then it says this, but the Lord heard them. Can, can I do another teaching moment? I like teaching a little bit. My dad taught me, to wear different hats when I, I don't know if he said it like this, but this is what, what it worked out in my life. Wear different hats when you go into different places. So I just changed my hat about 50 times a day. So when I go to, when I go to, to the bank, I wear the customer hat. They won't let me into the vault. I've asked and they won't. (laughs) I've actually asked. And then can I see inside the vault? Try it sometimes. Just see what like a super alarm. No, I would just like to see what's inside. I assume it's full of gold, gold bars and stuff. And, and, so, and then what, what happens is the, um, I'm the customer. So I also don't get to like, loan banks money out to other people and tell them how that works because I'm a customer. So I have rights as a customer and I also don't have rights as a customer <laughs> that somebody like the teller has or the bank manager has. And so when I go there, I'm the customer. I'm not the boss. So it's very interesting that when, when uh, Aaron and I got married, my dad... Now, he was always my pastor, and I did what wise people do, is that I submitted our family and our marriage to our pastoral care team and leadership team of the church at the time. 
And I'm like, hey, just tap me on the shoulder if I start getting weird, because everybody gets weird. Maybe you haven't figured this out about yourself yet. You get weird sometimes. And it's good if somebody can tap you on the shoulder and be like, uh, alert. <laughs> and so that's what I did. But it's funny, though, that our relationship shifted, because sometimes dad's my friend, and sometimes he's my dad, and sometimes he's my pastor, and he's still my pastor, and all of these things. But when he comes into my house, he doesn't start pushing my kids around and telling them what to do. If I want them to eat trash in the house, they can eat trash in the house. No, it's interesting. He's like, it's your house. You're going to answer for it. Now, if there was a case that concerned him about the safety or well-being of my family, then, you know, as my pastor, he could speak into that. And, of course, I would want that. But also, he stopped telling me how to do things and said, well, this is what we do. And when we got married, he's like, this is your family now. So this is what I do with money, and you could do this, you could do that, and whatever is, is your call. Like, what do you want to do? And so wear different hats. If you can wear different hats, you'll get out of most of the conflict that you're currently in. Because every place you go, somebody has the final say, and it's likely not you. And if you know who that person is and you come under their authority, your life will be much easier than it is now because you're trying to be everybody's boss. And look, they already got a mom. They don't need you to be mom. At the bank, they don't need you to be mom at the school. They got a mom. They got a principal. They got somebody that's... I just saved you a lot of time. It says, but the Lord heard them. See, they were getting sort of uppity. They got this thing mixed up with this thing. And Moses was in charge of the nation of Israel and was a prophet to the nation of Israel. But it's very interesting that, that Aaron was like one of the heads of his tribe and also the, the head of the priesthood. So, yeah, God did speak to him. Miriam was a prophetess. They were like high up in the nation of Israel. So what they said was sort of true. But what does Moses do? Now it says Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Now we said that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible under the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now most people think he could have just written this because it was true. And if you're humble, you're humble. And you just knowing your place in it on, he was humble. Or may, it's, it's also thought, some com commentators think that somebody could have added that in there later. But for all intents and purposes, it's not what you think in Canadian culture in image-based humility. What we mean is, I want you to think that I'm humble. But secretly, I'm probably not. I'd rather look humble than be humble. And so, immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Watch what happens. And said, get out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went up to the tabernacle. Now, Miriam and Aaron, I, I don't think that they're even seeing what's, what's coming here. Because they're right. They're like, finally, Moses is going to get his comeuppance. Because we hate his wife. That's what they think. If they knew the end of the story, like you're going to know in a minute here, but they didn't. If you knew the end of the story and one of these players was you, you wouldn't go to the tabernacle right now. You run and hide. This is one of the things that they were saying. We don't like this in Canada because Canada anoints no kings. Have you ever heard that? It's very, very interesting. Who died and made you boss? My mom used to say, well, you, in a minute. <laughs> Just give me a minute. Another one of those. You want to eat more trash. We don't understand authority the way that God does and the blessing that God gave it. We don't understand how the world works. We really don't. We just understand how things get done here. But that doesn't mean that there are things in the kingdom of God. You'll notice it's a kingdom. There is a king. 
when you give your life to the king of heaven, your life works out much better because you running it, you're a terrible king, you're a terrible queen. Uh, they were accusing Moses of being like a one-man ministry. They're like, hey, God speaks to us too. Hey, we're all on the same level. Watch what Spurgeon has to say about this. He says, every now and then we hear some simpleton or other taking a talking against a one-man ministry when it has been a one-man ministry from the commencement of the world to the present day. And whenever you try to have any other form of ministry and doing it thoroughly and heartily and independently and bravely in the sight of God, you very soon run upon quicksands. Which means this, when God calls a person to shift something and change something, he will call other people to the same vision. Anything that has ever happened in the world has happened because somebody stood up and said, no, this must change. And people come around that person and run with that vision. That is how everything in the world has ever changed for the good. That is what God does. God calls a person and calls people to help that person fulfill the vision. And it says, when you're always challenging the person with a vision at work or at home or when you're always challenging, like, just be careful, guys. I, I did this one time when I was serving on the worship team at my dad's church. We were doing this kind of youth thing. You want to hear a story about something I screwed up? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm like... We were going to do this whole kind of conglomerated you thing. And, and dad, you know, was like, hey, I don't think it's going to work out the way you think it is going to work out. And um, I'm like, dad, you want to know what I said? You're standing in the way of the Holy Spirit working in our town. God speaks to me, too. I'm sorry about that, by the way. Here's the thing. God gave Dad the vision, not me the vision. I had a vision, but it had to fall in line with the main vision, or of what use am I? And a week later, he was right about the whole thing, and it happened the same way anyways. Why? Because God had already spoken to him about it. And I'm glad that, you know, I threw, I threw a little hissy fit. You know, a little. But I'll tell you what, I learned from mistakes. If there's one thing, but I learned from mistakes. And I never challenged the spiritual authority again. I realized that's his call, actually. And if he wants to make that call, that's his call. I don't need to worry about that. I got my responsibilities, decisions, suggestions. Let's go. My life has simplified since then. And I've never again done that. And thank God that he gave me a great pastor and a great dad to learn these things from, the blessing that I live in. And I don't have the struggles that a lot of people have about this because I was raised right. But if you weren't raised right, how would you know? Well, maybe Miriam and Aaron weren't raised right. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. <laughs> they stepped forward. Neela used to do this when we, we, her first time at the ocean. I think it was her first, maybe not. She was playing, uh, and the waves were coming in, and then she'd turn around and like wiggle her butt at the waves. <laughs> as Neela, as my last girl. And then the waves would catch her, and she'd like, oh. Right, this is what they're doing there. They're like walking in there all wiggly. God's like, you crazy. Listen. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. Oh, you don't want God talking to you like that. You've been talking? My turn. I'm going to talk now. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. If. Oh, right, a prophet speaks for me. They don't speak on their own. 
yeah, does God only speak to Moses? God speaks to us too. You want me to stop speaking? If there are prophets among you, but not with my servant Moses, all of, my, of all of my house, he is the one I trust. I speak with him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He's like, you don't know me like he does. He sees the Lord as he is, God says. Why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with him, and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. Watch this power struggle and what happens. See, Moses, when he would come down from the mountain, would wear a veil to cover the glory of God, which shone so brightly that people couldn't, couldn't watch him. It was like the, the light of the sun. It was so bright that he had to cover his face with a veil. Now Miriam, because she saw herself as a rival to somebody that God had put in place, she sees herself as a rival. What did the devil say that got him into all the bother that you're in right now? I will ascend. I will ascend to the mountains. I will be like the Most High. But, but God is God, and God chooses whom God chooses. And so Miriam's face is now as white as snow, and now she has to wear a veil, but a very different kind of veil, because her face is decaying and corroding and as white as snow, and now she has to wear a veil for her shame. Very different. Her foul tongue had fouled her own flesh. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses. This is very interesting to me. Oh, my master, please don't punish us for the sin which we have so foolishly committed. Now, there's a thought here because Aaron didn't get struck with leprosy, but Aaron, like, if, if I'm in the tabernacle, I hope that I'm smart enough here, but you know Aaron from the golden calf last week. He just wasn't super sharp, right? Like, Moses, all these people are complaining. I took their gold. I threw it in a fire. It came out, and there was this calf all made for me. Well, the Bible very clearly said that he made the calf. And so it, the whole, the way that this is worded kind of in the Hebrew is that Miriam was the one who was the most outspoken. She was the one who was leading him, and Aaron was more of a follower than a good leader at the time. And he was still sort of following. And so if you're leading somebody, it's different than being led into something that's evil. Leading somebody to evil is different than being led into it. And so the, the weight of this fell on her. And it's interesting, like, if I'm hearing this rebuke from God, I'm already repenting. Like, whoa, 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 I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. But he waits until Miriam gets struck with leprosy, and then he's like, oh, this could happen to me. Do we have any people that love learning by consequences? I will wait until it catches up with me, and then I'll learn. That's the worst kind. Oh, my master, he says, please don't punish us for this sin. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord, and I'll end it here. Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. And it says later that Miriam was kept in the, in the camp, outside of the camp for seven days. The whole camp was stopped because Miriam didn't understand her place in it all. Your whole division at work might be stopped because you don't understand your place in it all. Your family might be stopped because you don't understand your place in it all. Your team... A church might be stopped because you don't know your place in it all. Your small group, do I need to go on? Because you don't know your place in it. You're still fighting for your position in it all. But I gotta ask you, in all of this here, where's Moses? Like, he's a smart guy. He knows the things are being said about him. Where's Moses? Come out to the tabernacle, you three... 
God says, and Moses is like, okay. Miriam and Aaron step forward. Moses is like, yes. Because Moses would have known what they were saying. You don't mutter about this and it doesn't eventually get to the person you're muttering about, right? And his approach was very different and I think it needs to be your approach. You know what I think that he was, I'm going to take some liberty here. You know what I think he was saying? I don't know, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe they should be leading all these people. They're a pain in my neck. Maybe, maybe God wants them to be in charge of it. The only way to fill your humility tank is to make it right. You thought it was going to be something easy? Why would you wait until the consequence comes to make something right? You just make it right now. Why don't you go home and make it right? Why don't you send a text tomorrow morning and make it right? Hey, I'm sorry for that thing that I said about you. That'll bring much needed humility to you. It'll fill your tank. Hey, I was wrong. Hey, boss, I'm sorry that I'm a pain in the neck sometimes. Tell you what, I'm just going to give you suggestions now, not directives. Hey, whatever you want, man, you're the boss. I used to call my boss, boss all the time. Yeah, okay, boss. What do you want, boss? Well, every time I said that, he knew that I knew that I wasn't the boss. Okay, boss. What do you want to do? I'll give you opinions, and you tell me what you want to do. You sign the checks. That's all good. Going down the ladder is a different thing, but listen, it will fill your humility tank. But what I want to say to you is this, and I'll close. When God chooses you, there is nobody in this world that can unchoose you. There is no person that is greater than God who can unchoose. When God has called your name and said, I want you to be my son and my daughter. I want you to do something, a healing in your community. I want you to help broken people in freedom session. I want you to get into the lives of people and teach them how to handle money because you were broken and now I fixed you and you need to pay it forward. And when God chooses you to something, it doesn't. there's not a demon in hell that can take that away from you if you stay in the hand of God. Because when God chooses you, nobody can unchoose you. What are you so worried about? You've got this because he's got this. Relax, Chancho. Put a pair of sweats on and watch some TV. Not next Sunday morning. Relax. It's not up to you to defend yourself. Keep it on cruise control and keep rolling. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here. Father... We all are a mix of Moses and Miriam and Aaron, if we're honest. And I pray that we would fill our tanks by making something right this week with somebody. We don't have to wait for them to make things right. We'll wait forever sometimes. Why would we do that? We want to be humble and go first. Get in there first and make things right first, Father. And I ask also for every person, Father, who has been under attack that has not been fair. I pray that we would relax and be like, hey, maybe this is God's plan for me and I can just relax about all this thing. Maybe I'll go out for coffee. Maybe I'll relax a little bit more. Maybe I'll just forgive somebody. Maybe this is the purpose of this all in the first place, is that God wants something to forgive so that God can do a work in their lives. And and Father, I pray for everybody here that we would understand that when you choose us, we cannot be unchosen. You chose us and you loved us and you've decided that as, as far as you can go, nobody will be lost on the earth. Everybody can come into heaven and spend eternity with Christ because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And it is not your will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. 
in your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for every person. If you haven't made that commitment with Christ, do it today. Do it now. Don't be unchosen because you didn't choose him. He's already chosen you right where you are, as imperfect and sinful as you are. He's already chosen you. And Father, I want your blessing to be on all the people tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.